Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. The mindset piece of this is so critical because there is so much shame and so much anxiety and worry and all of that around money. So if someone does have debt and it just feels oppressive, um, they may be focused on it. And, and this is one of the pieces of mindset that we're really intent on, which is that, and I learned this from a mentor of mine, a guy named Dan Sullivan. He used to say that the, the eyes only see and the ears only hear what the brain is looking for. And so if, if yeah, right. And if your brain is saying to itself, I got to be out of debt, got to be out of debt, got to be out of debt. What the eyes and the ears are looking for is debt. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. 
There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. How do you blast away debt? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's not about paying the minimum payment on your debts. That just keeps you spinning the wheels. But according to Experian, the average total consumer debt in 2021, I realize this was a couple years ago, but it was $96,371. And the total credit card debt in 2022 was $890 billion. So we could go down a real slippery slope talking about how it benefits companies upon companies for you to actually be in debt. But that is an altogether different episode, my friend. But the truth is, you want to get out of debt and you want to get out of debt fast. I get it. I have personally myself been in and out of debt a few times in life. And maybe you agree with this, like debt always feels like a really heavy brick just kind of pressing down on you. Our guest in this episode and my friend Adam Carroll has something called the shred method that is really going to revolutionize how you think about debt and how fast you can actually get out of it. So Adam paid off his home in record time, saving over $180,000 in interest in the process. And then he realized he had something that he probably needed to share with everyone. So in this episode, Adam shares how you can be completely debt-free within three to five years. Crazy, I know, but possible. A mindset shift you need to get out of debt, how to balance paying off debt while saving and investing, and how to find financial freedom this year. As always, I just want to say, if you are in debt, I want you to know there is nothing wrong with you. There is no shame. This is a complete shame-free, judgment-free zone, all right? So I have been in your place many times over, all right? I just want to give you the tools to really help you. So listen, take what works for you in this episode, and let's get to blasting away your debt. All right, let's start talking. Adam, I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. It's so good to be here. I feel like this has been a long time coming because we keep crossing <laughs> paths at all these conferences and whatnot. Um, so I have I have no doubt it will be a rousing conversation and I don't know where it'll go, but it's going to go somewhere fun. I love that. You're just enthusiastically on board for whatever we're going to talk about. <laughs> I, am. I totally am. Well, I, you know, we're going to talk a lot about debt, right? Um you know, money debt, we we have it, we all hate it, we love to get rid of it as fast as we can. And one of the big money goals that everyone listening probably is going to have for this new year is getting rid of debt, especially with high inflation, high interest rates, it's just going to cost you a lot more if you don't pay off that debt. And I'm a big fan of yours, Adam, I really wanted to have you in the show because you have this incredible shred method to help people blast away their debt. And we're just, we're all in for that. So you mentioned that it's possible for anyone to be out of debt completely within three to five years. That seems like a big promise, but tell us like, how is this possible? Yeah, it, it does seem like a stretch, doesn't it? And people are always like, I'm not sure that will work for me. <laughs> we say three to five years and we've had, you know, we've had a handful of people that it might push seven, but the the reality is that when I say nearly everyone could be out of debt in three to five years, what most folks don't pay much attention to is how much of their payments that they're making every single month are actually interest payments, not principal payments. So when we go get a car loan or we go get a mortgage 
or we're investing in rental property, even paying credit cards, et cetera. We, we send those payments in dutifully because we get the invoice or the statement saying, Hey, you owe this much. And particularly a mortgage, let's take that one as a, as a separate, when you get a mortgage statement and we see the payment is what it is, 1500, 1600, 2500, where, you know, whatever you owe, you have a commensurate payment to that. There are folks out there that assume that the majority of that's going to pay off their mortgage. When in reality, the majority of that, particularly at the beginning of the mortgage is going towards interest. And so there is a number that we're really intent on and certainly teaching other people about, and it is the interest to income ratio, which is essentially, yeah. yeah, how much of what you make goes out the door in interest expense every year. So how do we, how do we calculate that? Is that an easy calculation? Super easy calculation. And I'll give you a great example. We had a client the other day. They made about $120,000 a year between uh, the gentleman and his wife. So dual income family, couple of kids making 120 grand a year. Their tax base was 30%. So out of 120, 36K comes off the top right away for taxes. That leaves about $84,000. And the interest expense on their debt every year between their mortgage, their car loans, and their credit card debt was $40,000. Wow. And the way we factored it was we went into their statements and just looked at the amortization table of their mortgage. And we added up how much interest they'd spend this year. We looked at their car loan debt and what that interest expense would be. And we looked at their, and this was a big one, their credit card debt. You know, it, um, it, it accumulates quickly when you're at 20 or 25% on your, on your credit card. So there's a number of folks out there that might be holding or carrying that debt, not really paying a lot of attention to the fact that of the, 50 to $200 minimum payment you're making, probably 80% of that's going to pay interest. So your, your principal balance actually doesn't decrease that much on a month by month basis. Right. That is that. I mean, I would imagine that a lot of people who have debt are probably in, you know, might be dealing with different numbers, of course, but, but primarily sort of be in that same scenario. And when you look at the math, that's when it starts to to really make an impact on you. And so in a situation like that, where you're looking at somebody who's got credit card debt, car loan debt, home loan debt, whatever else they might have in there, is there a certain kind of debt that we can blast away or can we blast away all debt? I mean, is all debt essentially equal at the end of the day? You know, the the first thing we want to go after, obviously, is higher interest. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't say the shred method essentially can either use the debt snowball or the debt avalanche method. And we have the ability to fluctuate between the two to whatever makes the most sense from an interest savings perspective. But by and large, our clients, we're going to go after credit card debt first. We're going to knock that out completely. And for most people, we're going to get that knocked out in a, in a handful of months. I mean, it's certainly less than a year, usually in four five, six months, we have that knocked out. And then by freeing that up and not paying the interest expense on that particular debt, we increase the amount of discretionary income that now goes to begin leveraging against the next debt, which for most of our users, our shredders, it's probably either going to be student loans or it's going to be a car debt. Tell us real quickly, what what is discretionary income so we can have a full grasp on that? Yeah, great question. So we determine discretionary income simply by taking what is your net take-home pay So what is the amount after taxes, after 401k, all of that? 
what is actually deposited in your account and then subtract from that what are the the monthly payments that you're making both fixed and sometimes variable expenses so that might be your 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 rent or mortgage your car loan insurance costs all those things so when you strip out all of your monthly spend and hopefully there is a the b word the budget that you're living according to there's going to be some amount of money that's left hopefully some amount of money that's left over and and again what i would say is that there are certain folks this works really well for and those are people who have more money at the end of their month those who have more month at the end of their money this does not work this is a total non-starter if you're living paycheck to paycheck or below we have to get to get you to a point where you have more income than you have expenses hmm. okay i want to get back yep. to that in just a sec yeah but i've got a couple of questions so i i want to talk a bit here about the mindset behind debt too. You and I both, we spoke at a conference this year and it was so fun to see that our messes, messages like really meshed together. They were pretty similar. We both talked about yeah. this idea of money mindset and the power of your money story and all these things around money that we totally. don't really talk about. And I know there's a lot of messaging that if you have debt, you are a failure or there's shame or you're not doing anything correctly. And I just don't buy into that meth message really because we look at so many different stats between debt and mental health. And, you know, I mean, people really struggle that are in debt. But I'm wondering, you know, what advice would you give to someone listening who is in debt about how to balance, you know, between paying off debt and and also kind of accepting and maybe forgiving themselves in this position? Like, do you talk about this with your with your shredders? We do. We do. The, the mindset piece of this is so critical because there is so much shame and so much anxiety and worry and all of that around money. So if someone does have debt and it just feels oppressive, um, they may be focused on it. And, and this is one of the pieces of mindset that we're really intent on, which is that, and I learned this from a mentor of mine, a guy named Dan Sullivan, he used to say that the the eyes only see and the ears only hear what the brain is looking for. Ooh, and that's so good. if if yeah, right? And if your brain is saying to itself, I gotta be out of debt, gotta be out of debt, gotta be out of debt, what the eyes and the ears are looking for is debt. It's not looking for freedom or possibility or option or abundance. It's just looking at the debt. And so it feels overwhelming. And what we like to do is help people understand that. The first thing we're going to do is set a vision for what two to five years out looks like. And I say two to five because we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in three. So the folks that go, I'm going to get out of debt in 2023, and then they look at it and they're three or four months in and haven't made a lick of, of uh, achievement, they, they may get depressed and go back, oh, I'm always going to be in debt. Versus those that say, this is a, this is a process. We're climbing a mountain here. Um, it's going to take me two to three years. Let's set a plan and map a course for you to create abundance and flexibility and option. And know that all of that is on the back end of this. We're going to take care of the debt through the shred method and the, 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 the algorithm and the software that really drives this is going to help change your behavior and in changing the behavior, you'll also start to see your mindset shift because the, oh my gosh, I'm paying how much an in interest on this credit card. How am I ever going to get out of it? We help to resolve through the shred method coaching. 
yeah, let's talk a little bit about behavior because if you if you go through a program like yours or or even if you're just paying off debt yourself and yep. you get out of debt, it's very easy to get back into debt. And there's again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame attached to that. That happens. Life happens and sometimes that is the case. And you can go back through the same method and kind of use the same tools to pay off, but but there does have to be a behavioral shift where you consciously make the choice to make different decisions. Like we were just, you know, through the Black Friday and the holidays, seeing kind of record numbers, even though people were worried about inflation and possible recession and all the negatives. I mean, we could throw all the negatives at people and they're still want to spend money, which we know is going to also come out with higher uh, credit card balances that kind of is going to go along with that. So how do we change this this behavior how do we get down deep to like really understand why we we make the money choices that we make and actually get into debt it this goes back to candidly some of the stuff that you and i talked about at the conference which is the early money memories the money story that you've been telling yourself for years probably some of the environment in which you grew up there is this statistic that i'm fond of sharing with people and audiences, which is that your money personality is generally set between the age of zero and eight or nine. So by the age of, let's say nine years of age, um, you've already heard enough messaging around money that your personality of who you will be or who you think you are around money has been set in, in stone, or at least in, uh, it, it is set. It could be changed. It could be altered, but we have to investigate it. So I'll give you a, a case in point. One of my good friends, when she was eight years of age, there was a knock on their door and it was around October, November timeframe. And I said, when I asked her, what is your earliest money memory? She said, I remember being eight years of age. I remember a knock at the door and the sheriff was standing at the door, handing my mom foreclosure papers. Mm, yeah. And I said, what, what did the, what meaning did you put on that? And she said, there was fear around money always because there was always a feeling like we were about to lose our home. And fast forward, this woman's in her mid thirties, late thirties. Now she's got three kids. She is so security minded that she's probably got way more money in, in savings and emergency funds than she realistically needs, which may then impact her ability to retire on time because that money isn't being invested or you know, deleveraging debt. She's just sitting it. It's sitting there. She's, she gets to see it and feel it and it makes her feel comfortable. Hmm. And, um, so I think for, for listeners of yours, one of the things that we can do is begin to investigate what are our earliest money memories and what was the message or meaning we put on that as a young child and do those messages serve us today? Because there are many cases where the message we got growing up is actually limiting us from achieving what we can achieve financially in life because we're still stuck in that story that we had learned, you know, from zero to nine. It's interesting that you bring that, that story up. Uh, I'm actually writing my first book right now. <laughs> and I just wrote a chapter the other day where I was talking about your earliest money memory. And I was sharing that, uh, you know, I growing up, my parents were, I was very fortunate. We had a nice house. We always had food on the table. My, my dad made very good money. But whenever we went shopping, we always went straight for the sale rack. 
And so, you know, in my brain was like, you always have to get a deal. Like you can't ever buy anything full price. So, you know, my adulthood, when I would like, you know, really want to buy something and have the money for it, it was like, well, I can't do that. Or I've got to wait till it goes on sale or everything has to be a deal. And I thought, you know, where does this come from? But it's really sneaky how these things from our childhood just kind of play out, you know, almost unconsciously in the background until we take some time to kind of sit and and actually dive into them. And then what you're saying is so great is like actually correlate it to, you know, how do you see that playing out like in your life right now? So I want to know more about this. Do you still, (laughs) do you still do this shop? Do you go to the back corner and go to the sale? I do. I I mean, now I, now I understand it more, but I still always have, um, I still always have this feeling that something has to be on sale. Like it's really hard for me to buy at full price. And then even, you know, growing up, my dad who, you know, we would go on these vacations and then as we were like flying home from the vacations, we would sit on the plane and he would go through the list of all the expenses and he would start, you know, like bitching about everything that we spent money on (laughs) on the vacation. So, you know, you always left a vacation with the feeling of like, well, crap, we shouldn't have even gone on this vacation. Like if this is how it's going to play out. Yeah. And so I do the same thing. Sometimes I try to be way better, but sometimes we'll go to dinner and, you know, well, my husband will order something or I'll say, I want to order something, but I don't know because it's like really expensive or whatever. And he's like, stop, (laughs) stop adding up the dollars. Like, do you want to eat it or drink it? Like, let's, let's go there. And you know, it's taken me so many years to really walk yes. this back. And I mean, it's my first impulse to go, oh my gosh, that was really expensive rather than saying like, I really enjoyed that dinner regardless of what it costs. I mean, it, it's so yes. hard to break this stuff. It is. Uh, you know, it's it's funny we're talking about this too. We I just mentioned this story to someone else, but my, my wife grew up in a household where it, it was all cash all the time. There was no credit. much to their uh, benefit. However, it always felt like there was lack. And so they didn't buy things unless it was on sale and they had a coupon. And my wife is wired exactly the same as you. She goes right to the sale racks. And, you know, typically during the holidays, I'm like, I want to buy you something really, really nice (laughs) because you won't buy that for yourself. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) So there's something about that, that that's deep seated, that, that becomes who we are at our core. And I, I don't think, I don't want to make it a negative either. I think people who are naturally frugal and all of that, great, good for them. I, you know, I want that for them. I also think there's a point in time where don't feel guilty about wanting what you want when you can afford it. Yeah. And, you know, if you were to buy something that you really love, like I'll give you another example. I love watches and I used to find really cool looking watches, but that were really cheap and really cheap, like a hundred, 200 bucks a piece. They look nice. And I love people commenting on how cool my watch was, but deep down what I wanted was a really nice watch. Mm, and yeah. to this day, I'm, I'm hesitant to spend, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars on a, on a, on a timepiece, but a good friend of mine, who's very successful in business. And I've been with this guy through thick and thin last year at Christmas, he gave me one of the most generous gifts I've ever received. And it was a really nice, like couple thousand dollar watch. And I was blown away, love wearing. It's about the only watch I wear, but I would never get it for myself. 
Um, so I think this, we is this friend taking like auditions for new friends, <laughs> right? He probably would. He's, he's so fun, but this is one thing that I tell people, we all have a relationship to money. And, and the way that we define this is like, if money came to the door and knocked on the door and you open the door and money is standing there personified, what does it look like? Who is it? What's your feeling around them? This gentleman, his name is Joel. Joel is my relationship to money. I mean, when I, when I open the door, I'm like, oh, it's Joel. I love Joel. And I love spending time with Joel and can't wait for Joel to come back around again. Whereas some people, when you ask that question about, you know, if money were personified, what does it look like? Or who is it? People have told me, oh, it's a beautiful woman, like across the bar that I'm afraid to talk to. Ooh, that's I had someone tell me, right. Someone said, oh, it's a nameless, shapeless figure that every time I get close to it, it moves away. So there's some really deep connection. I'm curious for you, if money came to the door, what, what does it look like? I'm sitting here as we're talking and I'm thinking, okay, do I go with my gut reaction? (laughs) I mean, I mean, my gut reaction would probably be, um, and this is probably very telling. It would probably be a male figure and, um, it would, it would probably be kind of like holding its hands up, like you know, almost kind of like weighing out, like you've done these good things, but I don't know, you've done these things. Like it would be a really like sort of, you know, uh, in the middle type of figure, um, Mm. which is really like how my relationship with money has been my whole life. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a certified financial planner. I, I could do a financial plan, you know, my sleep for someone, but I've had my own, I mean, I think it's a journey, right? Like I think, all of this is a, is a, is a journey. I don't think you ever, you know, just totally arrive at this place where you're like, Oh, great. My relationship is perfect. Money and I were, we're best friends. Everything's good. I think for most of us, it's like a constant kind of, um, work in progress. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just kind of how I feel. I love it. Very telling though. It's a male figure. <laughs> yes. Right. That's interesting right. in itself. Um, wh- one of the things that often comes up when I ask the question is, uh, how, how old is the person? Cause I'll have Ooh. some young ladies that will tell me, oh, it's an old woman. And, and what I'll generally suggest is, can you bring the age closer to yours? Because wealth doesn't have to be when you're old or money itself doesn't have to be an old person. You could have it today, but some folks think, oh, that happens when you're old, not when you're, you know, in your twenties, thirties or forties. weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like 
a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Everyone knows that putting money aside and Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. This is such a deep thing to ponder. I hope everyone listening, I hope you're having like some sort of vision and you're, and you're thinking about this because this does really, you know, I think the reason I wanted to talk so long about this because it really does set the foundation for everything we're talking about, not just the goal of paying off debt. I mean, any money goal you might have, it's it's all wrapped up in this this relationship with money. And so we've we've talked about that piece. I'm wondering if there are any other kind of big hurdles that you see people have that really prevent them from making progress with paying off debt. I think one of the biggest hurdles that people have is the inability to see long term. And I've heard this described by other podcasters as microwave money versus crockpot money. Yes. Or microwave wealth versus crockpot wealth. You know, wealth really is, is it's cooked, it's baked in the crockpot. It's not microwaved. And when you have a long-term perspective and a long-term could be 
five years, 10 years, 50 years, when you have a long-term perspective, it changes some of the decisions that you're making. And going back to the whole idea of debt and, you know, this next year, really uh, er eradicating debt or deleveraging from debt, what we're doing when we take on debt, particularly consumer debt or car loan debt, is we're borrowing from future us. So it's not it's not present us that really feels the pain. It's going to be future us that doesn't have more money in the future. And I was always trying to, to flip the script a little bit and make future me in love with present me, as opposed to future me being really frustrated with present me. Because I have it that some people will wake up one day in their 50s and 60s and be like, I am so frustrated with who I used to be. And I would rather be in my 50s and 60s looking back like, I loved that dude. He <laughs> completely set me up for the life that I most wanted. And that requires that future orientation. So, you know, candidly, there are things I want, but I'm also mindful of the fact that some of the things I want may strip future me of what's possible. And I'd much rather, you know, suffer that today than not having exactly what I want for the future me. That's like, Oh no, I'm going to have an amazing future self. I like the idea that things get better over time. I, I like that story. Me too. Because I mean, that just, I think makes us all hopeful in, in this world that there's a lot of things not to be hopeful about. So I really, I really like that vision. And, you know, so I'm also thinking about, you know, there, there's a lot of talk between should you pay off debt at all costs first, or should you do some other things with your money, like emergency fund savings or investing? What's your theory, Adam? Like, how do we figure out what comes first or what we should do in what order? Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, number one, I think that Every person's finance is personal, right? I mean, it's a reason it's called personal finance. And, and I, and I know that you being a CFP, you see this, you know, someone has different goals and ambitions than another client, right? But I think that in that idea of, of personal finance being personal, it, 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 um, it depends on what's your employment situation. How do you make money as a family? What are your expenses? What will the future expenses look like? And when you start making some of the decisions based on that, it changes things. So I'll give you a case in point. My sister is a teacher. Her spouse is an administrator. They make really, really good money. They, they live in California, Northern California. Um, 
you know, they're highly compensated for the work that they do. And they have pensions that will be waiting for them when they're done teaching. So for them, deleveraging debt has never really been that, that important because they're like, we love spending money and splurging and we don't care if we have a heavy, hefty mortgage because we're going to have income well into retirement from this, from this pension. And it, candidly, we were having this conversation, my, my sister's spouse and I, in my parents' pool during the summer. And, and we were talking about what does retirement look like? And, and I said, listen, it looks very different for me. I'm not going to have a pension. I don't, I am self-employed. I've been self-employed for 20 years, have never gotten a steady paycheck. Don't know what one is. Wouldn't know what to do with one. If I had one, (laughs) the income comes in, in waves and peaks and valleys, but we figured out how to make that work. And for, for my wife and I, our goal really was let's deleverage like crazy. Let's pay off all this debt. Because if we know that we can live on 2,500 to five grand a month, for the rest of our lives, and not not that I'm aspiring to that, but we know we could, then if I know that as a speaker, I could go make anywhere from $3,500 to $15,000 in engagement, then I know I need to get one engagement on the high end, and it'll cover me for four or five months. And so there's, there is peace of mind for me around deleveraging, where some people would be like, hey, I know I'm going to work till I'm 67, and I'm going to have a hefty income. So I'm going to keep plugging all the money I can into 401k and Roth IRA and not worry about my mortgage because it's 3% or 5% or whatever the number is. So all of that is a long answer to say, I think personal finance is very personal, but if you're working with someone who's talented about helping you understand the situation you're in and how to get to where you want to go, that will help determine, do you pay off debt or invest? And do we do we need an expert to help us pay off the debt? Is is that something that pushes us over the edge to be able to achieve this, or can we set up a system for ourselves to get this debt paid off? This is a yes and right, both and kind of scenario. So, do you need someone? No, someone could figure out how to blast away their debt, and so long as they have some consistency and predictability to it, uh, their discipline, they can do it. No question. But I would I would also add <clears throat> that if you really want to get in shape, your best bet is to hire a trainer because the trainer is going to coach you. They're going to be there for you. They're going to tell you, no, you can't eat that. No, you got to do extra sit-ups today because you had you know this for lunch <laughs> yesterday. And from a coach's perspective, and that's what really we do, we coach people. It's amazing when we start reorienting people's mindset, how their behavior starts to change. And so, you know, we, the, we live in a banker's business model and the banker's business model has taught us to walk heel toe, heel toe for the, for our entire lives. And what we're trying to do with the shred method is teach people to either walk toe, heel, toe, heel, or for every one step you take, you're actually taking six or seven steps. It's just a much more efficient method of doing it. Can other people figure it out? Absolutely. Can you do it a lot faster with a coach? I would say yes. And first off, you mentioned uh, your pool conversation. It sounds like you have some, you know, pretty awesome pool conversations. If we're if we're talking about retirement, probably not, you know, everyday pool conversations, right? <laughs> totally not. I mean, it was like in a moment of silence, it just kind of came up. Like, hey, what's retirement look like for you? Right? Uh, they're like, we're not coming back to his pool. That is for sure. <laughs> we're not doing that. 
but you're you're talking even with the even with the shred method everything you're talking about this idea of financial freedom which i think is a concept that we all can get behind you know the fire movement that's been their whole idea of being financially free whether we yes. agree with it or not you know that's that's another debate but it's this idea of getting to this place like you were saying where you know you can cover your month your year whatever it might be and you can get to this place where there is some freedom and you've done so many things we talked about conference we both spoke at you're a speaker writer podcaster you have this amazing ted talk that has somewhere over six million views you yeah. crowdfunded a documentary about student loan debt so i mean you obviously know a thing or two about money but you know when i ask you your definition and maybe you've already talked it through but maybe this will help somebody who's listening you know what is wealth like what really is financial freedom wow i i love this question and and it's it's one that i will talk about ad nauseum in programs because when i ask people generally hey what is wealth and i'll get a whole variety of answers the slide that i put up then is wealth is a measure of time and what i mean by that is if your current income stopped tomorrow, how long could you live your current lifestyle based on the assets you've accumulated? And candidly, there's a lot of people out there that would be like, uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's the reality, right? That, that, yes. Uh, you know, even when I was a practicing CFP and I would work with people who had what you would consider a huge income. But when you yep. looked at everything, it was like, yeah, they they have till Sunday. And then, then it doesn't matter you know, what your income is. Cause I th think we tend to think that the more income you make, the better this is going to be, but that's just not always the case. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so for, for my family, when thinking about this long-term perspective, my wife and I several years ago started tracking our net worth on a monthly basis. I say my wife and I, I'm tracking it. I'm showing it to her <laughs> and she's like, mm, okay, cool. Um, but, but in going through those numbers, you know, the, the goal is to figure out how long could this money last if we were to live the current lifestyle that we're living right now and to extend that well beyond our prospective age when we pass away, right? So uh, just to put it out there, I'm going to live to 108. So I have to, you know, really make sure the money outlasts me, but. Um, <laughs> You've already decided that's the age. I've already decided it's, the, it has been written. Not right? seven, is, uh, not nine, but we got 108. 108, 108, like halfway between 108 and 109 too. I don't want to, I'm not going to like 108 in a day, kick the bucket. I'm going <laughs> to hang on for six months. But, um, you know, this, this idea of wealth is, is a length of time. So when you look at your numbers, I'm very intent on looking at what is our monthly spend. So if the monthly spend for round numbers is five grand and that's 60,000 a year and you have 600,000 set aside, that's about 10 years if you were just stripping the money away, not earning interest on the money. So that's one way to look at it. Another way would be maybe you make 3000 a month in passive income. So that's $36,000 a year and you have 600,000 set aside. That might be more like 30 years, right? That, that you could live. So our goal should be twofold. Number one, to increase the amount of passive income we're making. And I would encourage listeners to, to take a close look at what is your active to passive income ratio? So active income is what you make in your job. Passive would be, what are you making in interest bearing accounts, 
uh, you know, investments, syndications, real estate deals.